6. Their wagon had almost reached the cages with pigeons when Optimus jumped down with the motion of a graceful cat. Just as he was on his way to take the first step towards the birds and Gladilius, he stopped and closed his eyes. He clearly saw in his inner vision Longvinius standing with a torch at the foot of Quirinless and behind him flames reaching high. Oh no, it cannot happen. What did you say Marcus? Gaius came up beside him and noticed how his brother swayed and grabbed the side of the cart. What? No, it was nothing. Just a little dizziness. Quirinless had been a natural part of Rome since 600 years. Optimus wanted it to grow in importance. Nothing will make me fail, he thought. He wiped some sweat from his forehead with the upper side of the forearm and started to walk towards Gladilius. By Jupiter! I have not come this far, fought so hard, to let the Senate take everything away from me again. All the blood that has been spilled and all the men who died cannot be in vain. Never! Gaius looked at his brother and saw the proud posture, his broad shoulders and straight back. Under the collar of the cloak, on one side of the neck, a large, bright scar was clearly visible against the tanned skin. It reminded him of the perpetual gratitude he felt towards his brother, gratitude for having saved his life. It was during the worst time on the Quirinal Hill, they had been no more than a few years older than twenty. He had gotten into a quarrel with one of the area's worst thugs, furious and been challenged to a fight. The background was an imaginary insult. When he first received word about the challenge he had almost urinated down his legs. The next few days had felt endlessly long and he had not slept for several nights, it wasn't long before Marcus noticed that something was wrong. After relentless questioning he had with his heart pounding in his chest and a sour taste in the mouth, he finally told his brother. Marcus had not said a word, only calmly looked at him. He picked up one of the wooden clubs and a dagger and slowly walked out of the house. Gaius remembered the dark, almost tireless eyes of his brother and trembled. Before he closed the door, he turned and said. Gaius, stay here until I come back. Optimus had many hours later stumbled through the door. Gaius heard him and went down the stairs to the street level and found him lying on the floor just a few feet from the door. His brother's lifeless body and the tunic full of blood, had scared the life out of him. His steps toward Marcus had felt infinitely heavy, his hands trembled as he gently reached out to touch him. Is he dead? Optimus had slowly looked up, eyes blurred and his breathing was heavy and filled with a strange sound. Furious. He became silent. Dot, will not bother you anymore, he had said with a raspy voice. They never talked about the incident again. Three days later they found a body floating in the Tiber. No one recognized the dead man until one of Furious gang members noticed a burn mark on the dead man's back. No one was in doubt, it was Furious. A sound from the crowd brought Gaius back. 
with his eyes on Optimus' back he did not know if he should feel disgust for his own weakness, or love for his brother's unselfish courage. Both emotions alternated within him and were just as strong. Officer Gladilius. Men. Optimus walked toward them and placed himself between the group of men and Gladilius, who was still standing at the cages. Fantastic day is it not? Shall we start the festival? Piss on the day. Why this delay? Malasius blurted out before anyone could respond. What delay? Magistratum Longvinius has not taken his place on the rostrum yet. How will he be able to ask the priests about the god signs to secure the festival? You will not be able to fool me. The sun has passed midday. How did you get the spineless creep to postpone? Gladilius muscles stiffened. It is not appropriate to talk about Rome's elected representatives in that manner, Gladilius bit of his words. I choose my words just the way I want. I'm not one of your minions. It would be much better if you looked at safety on the streets instead of thinking of your own winnings. You seem to piss on safety. Gladilius' eyes narrowed, his hand moved slowly down toward the sword. Knuckles whitened when the hand grasped the shaft. I hope, by all the gods, that the Praetorians never will protect scums like you, parasites on the empire. His eyes moved from Malasius to Optimus and back again. That's all of you parasites, Gladilius hissed. Ha ha, take it easy. Soon the city will celebrate three full days, save your energy. Besides, I know that our esteemed census magistratum commercial Longvinius do not agree with you. Optimus laughed and clapped the Praetorian on his shoulder. Gladilius winced. The mood lightened up a bit. It's fortunate that we have laws for us Romans, Civis Romanus. Lex Commercia Militaries give us the right to trade with the provinces and the legions, regardless of the product. The roads and the seas are full of robbers and pirates, so we are only defending ourselves. It's that simple, Optimus said with a soft voice. The arms trade should be banned. They end so easily up in the wrong hands, don't they? How many of the gladius you have sold have killed Roman soldiers? The sarcasm was evident in Gladius' voice. His lips were drawn back in an ugly grin. His A's again wandered between the two traders. There is no evidence for that, and is there anyone who should be blamed, it's the legionnaires. Why do you think they need new weapons in the border provinces all the time? There is no glory in the trade you are pursuing. Without trade Rome would cease to exist, the city would be impoverished and displaced to the backwaters of humanity. It is trade that makes Rome the center of the world, to the place all other people look up to and want to imitate. For once, I agree with Marcus, Malasius said. Optimus stretched out his arms and made a circular motion. Prefect Gladilius, look around. Look. Someone paid for all this. Even if the emperor conquered gold from King Decebalus, 
the traders have paid taxes and fees to the imperial administration. No gold, no legion, no empire, no emperor and thus no praetorian guard. What would you do then? Gladilius did not answer, he only stared back. Malasius looked with disgust at Gladilius' flawless uniform. A helmet that gleamed like gold in the sun's last light, a breastplate with muscular patterns and shiny forearm and lower leg protection. He took a step forward and pressed his dirty finger in Gladilius' chest. It left a big mark in the shining surface. Without us there would be nothing for you, not even a drop of piss. Gladilius' jaw muscles worked frantically. It is the legions that built the empire, never forget that. Conquests are divine emperor and his legions give Rome, give us wealth, respect, safety and envy. That's all we need. They had been so busy discussing so they had not noticed that Longvinius just went up on the platform, called Rostrum. He was holding a large jar of wine, he raised it above his head and poured the liquid over the altar. Mos Majorum, Mos Majorum, the ancestral path, he repeated with stronger and stronger voice. The mass of people in the square took over and soon all cried out to invoke the ancestral blessing. Optimus gave Gladilius the key. With straight arms, he raised the key over his head for all to see. The crowd kept on chanting. The doors to the large cages were open and hundreds of pigeons lifted toward the dark blue sky. A group of Praetorians standing behind Gladilius raised their swords and roared. The Emperor. Fetrajan. All priests who stood behind Longvinus on Rostrum followed the birds in their flight. The mass of spectators looked up at the sky with excitement. It was comical to see all the heads that stared up at the sky moving back and forth in one big wave. So the battle has begun once again, Optimus thought and looked over at the stairs leading up to the Temple of Peace, Templum Parsis. The Senate members stood in line with their white tuggers at its foot. He turned and looked up at the Quirinal Hill, it was so close that it felt as if he could touch it. Optimus knew that the senators could not care less about Quirinalis, in their minds it could just as well be placed in Egyptus or in cold Germania. They had since long stopped care about the ordinary citizens of Rome. 160 years had passed since Julius Caesar together with Cleopatra fought in Alexandria, the city that Alexander the Great founded over 400 years earlier. Cleopatra's brother and sister had been conspiring and thrown the queen out of her kingdom, but with the help of Caesar's legions she retook power. Later, Octavius, Caesar's adoptive son defeated the Egyptians for good, at that time they had the support of the Roman general Mark Antony. The general who had become so obsessed with the barbarian queen that he gave his life for her. No Romans fully trusted the Egyptians, they were just too mysterious and had gods that no one understood. Most agreed that Anthony had been bewitched, drugged or threatened. No Roman man, especially not a successful general, was so weak that he gave his life for a barbarian woman, even if she was a queen. 
Optimus himself was not so sure about that. His thoughts drifted off to Arsinoe and her bottomless eyes. Since then, Egyptus has given us our bread and it is still the richest province in the empire. But, will it become our demise? We know nothing of the separatists that begins to grow strong and how they will affect us. Battles will break out, it is inevitable, he thought. Optimus had on a few occasions sailed up the great river at Alexandria. His cargo had been full of construction material, but a third had been weapons. After several days of uneventful sailing, they had been forced to turn back. Not that they had been threatened, but but because the country seemed endless and magnificent regions of grassy plains stretched out in all directions, they seemed never to end. The barbarians who lived on those grasslands had no need of either material for houses or use of Roman weapons. By all the gods, he thought. We have no idea how big the world is. How many barbarians are out there? Can Rome subjugate them all? Or will the world rise up against Rome? No. It is not possible. Optimus felt weak when he thought of the world and the enormous opportunities of trade that lay at their feet. Will Longvinius join us down here at the cages? Gaius wondered when he finally came up to them. No, Gaius, I think he has more important things to do. The Senate is waiting. What about the Senate? He must listen to the Senate, write down their suggestions and then present them to the Emperor. Why? He must advise Trajan. About what? To give the Senate the right to control the arms trade. Gaius stood with his mouth open. He blinked a few times and frowned. Silence. You're kidding, he finally said and laughed. Nekalud, nope. Why do you think I was gone so long? Why do you think the ceremony for the festival was postponed? Longvinius wanted my advice, so did the prefect Atanus. Gaius's eyes widened. By all the gods. What will happen now? You have to stop him. Nekalud. I asked him to wait until after the festival before he will give the Senate a definitive decision. Have you gone mad? Totally crazy? Gaius take it easy, if you think about it, this is exactly what we want. What? How can you say that after all these years, Gaius' voice disappeared when a roar filled the square? Now the festival was inaugurated and the priests had consulted about the flight of the birds and the sign the gods had given them. Unanimously, they had concluded that there were good omens, as they always did. Especially if someone important wanted to have good omens, good omens it would be. It could be bad for your health, even for a priest, to foretell sinister omen when they were not desirable. Listen. How much do we have in free assets right now? Optimus asked in a low voice, the uproar from the people around them had subdued. But, but without the arms trade, we are ruined. We are. Stop it and listen. Just answer my question. Yes we have, he thought for a while. 
We have very little cestuses in cash. Two caravans with carts that should be on their way back from Gaul. Three ships are heading towards Illyria with weapons. If we include profits from the carts and ships it should give two and a half, maybe three million. But, we have liabilities claiming a substantial part of the it. Do not expect both shipments to return so soon. We can only hope that it is the most valuable of the two that succeeds and the ships will not be back until the summer. Do we have enough to pay our men what we owe them until then? Our men? Yes, I'm sure. But, to take on more spending is pure madness. Several of our major creditors want to be paid. It will be a hard time. Fortunately, the goods we brought home safely will give a handsome profit. We must continue to pay our men of cause. Gaius looked at his brother. Marcus, without our men, we become vulnerable, everyone will try to destroy us. Gaius' voice was trembling. Optimus took no notice of his brother. My suggestion is that you prepare the house for the next three days and sends off all the weapons we have in stock. No festival for us. Do it quietly. Optimus smiled, his white teeth gleamed. Borrow as much as you can, take all our savings, borrow on our properties and buy up as many weapons as you can. What? Are you completely insane? Do you want to ruin us? You said it yourself. The Senate will take over the arms trade. Stop. Listen to me. Just do as I say. But if we cannot sell the weapons why should we buy more? Listen. A week before the Emperor is arriving in Rome Longvinius will make sure the proposal is not approved with the help of the plebeian tribunes. Citizens will tear down the city, stone by stone if the tribunes allows it to become law. No one wants to return to the troubled time we had before Lex Militaris Commercia and especially not the Emperor, after such a fierce campaign in the East an uprising in Rome is not the type of greeting the Emperor expects. Prefect Tatinus, responsible for security in Rome, will realize for his own sake, the need to keep the city calm when Trajan returns. If there is anyone who have the senators in an iron grip, it is Atanus. No one will know anything. Longvinius himself asked me to keep it a secret. We discussed it at length. This is a way to calm Gobulus and some of the other pugnacious senators until our emperor is back in Rome. I helped him with the plan and the decisions. Optimus smiled again. Unbelievable. This is the reason why they call you ducks, Marcus. How did you make Longvinius go along with it? We will make us a fortune. The gods smile on us. Everything has a price Gaius, but we leave that conversation for later. Sure, if you say so. We will make us a fortune. Remember, not a word to anyone. Optimus looked his brother strength in the eyes. You do not need to say more. So we just need to wait until the Emperor comes back. I should give you a hug. Not here, Gaius, it would ruin my reputation. Optimus eyes glittered in the evening sun. 
Twenty years earlier, the Quirinal had been in flames. Most houses were burned down to the ground or badly damaged, many stocks of goods destroyed, barley, wheat, papyrus, amphorae with wine and olive oil, all had been destroyed in the fire. Optimus Thomas had nevertheless done well, only a small part of their goods went to waste. It was at that time he came up with the idea of digging a huge underground cellar to protect the most valuable goods. Since then, they had constructed several protection areas. The citizens of Rome was terrified of fires, all knew that they should be careful and take every precaution they could, but it was only a matter of time before the next big fire would ravage the city. No one had forgotten the great fire fifty years earlier when Nero Claudius Caesar Augustus Germanicus was the emperor. Marcus' grandfather had told him about it when he was a child. Rome was destroyed by a fire that lasted several days and nights. Thousands died and many more were injured. Nearly half a million people lost their homes. A hard time followed with severe hunger and diseases that plagued the survivals. Criminal gangs took the opportunity to steal everything they came across and later sold it back to the citizens. Optimus had seen tears in the eyes of his old man. After he had once again averted the Senate attempts to unravel the law, he knew that the only way to really protect the house of Optimus Quirinless was to get a seat in the Senate and finally in time become an advisor to the Emperor in matters involving trade with the provinces. This plan was a secret and he had not told anyone, not even his brother. If he had Trajan's ear, he could make the trade free from the greedy senators. We would all benefit, benefit for several generations. We could then build our own empire. What will it cost to become a member of the Senate? Who is willing to put forward my name? It does not matter, with my latest plan, we make more than we need, he said quietly to himself. What? Did you say something, Marcus? If we expand our business, you need to take more responsibility for the transports, and be a leader on our shipments, both wagons as well as ships. You know I cannot do that. You have to. I know you can do it, Gaius, I know. Gaius shivered just by the thought of it. A dull ache began to build up in his stomach. Not yet, soon, but not yet. Maybe in a few years if I get the right training. More transports requires that we share responsibilities and I cannot lead every major business trip we do in the provinces. Gaius looked back towards the Quirinal Hill and glimpsed his house where his wife and children were living. A stab in the chest reinforced the feeling of irritation he felt over his wife's unhappy attitude as though it was his fault that he was not able to be away from Rome on long trips, to fight and to kill men. Optimus studied his brother and knew that he had to persuade him to take more part in their shipments or he would never be able to build up his network in the Senate, he needed all time he could get to do that. It's still too early. No it's not. Both fell silent. Shadows stretched longer and longer and the sun would soon disappear behind the horizon.
men in short tunics soiled with coal work diligently to light fires in large censer placed all over the forum. The celebration would go on all night. Optimus wished he could have shared this moment with his family. He thought of how it would have been if they all, Cornelia, his late wife and his other children Neulius, Lucius and Vorius had been there. The only family besides himself who had survived was Cornelius, his eldest son. All the others had died in the severe epidemic that plagued Rome a few years earlier. Cornelius' smile tortured him still, especially during the nights. The emptiness that he had felt since then had only recently been filled. Although Cornelia had hated his travels he regretted nothing, not a day, not a trip. Without trade, they would have been forced to live in misery. Sure, he had been away when several of the children were born and yes, he had been traveling when they celebrated birthdays and other important occasions, but it had been worth all the sacrifice. Isn't it a man's duty and responsibility to ensure the survival and future of one's family? I always brought gifts, every time I came home from my trips, he thought. Unlike my father, who was much more interested in visiting the taverns and drinking wine with his friends. He seldom helped the family and he really mismanaged the family business. When the Emperor returns to Rome and my plan is set in motion, all the hard work, all these years will pay off. Optimus Quirinless will be the richest and strongest trading house in Rome. Then I will be able to buy back the farm outside Rome, our family farm that father lost in a game of dice so many years ago. The whole world had changed in an instant. They had been forced to move into the Sabura among barbarians and the poor. There, among the most impoverished and excluded, he learned that power comes with money. The hunger was not the worst problem, the shame of his father's weakness gnawed in him day and night. If my father had not lost the farm, even I had become a peasant and sold my crops at the Forum Borium below the victorious Hercules temple. In retrospect, when I look back at it all, I'm grateful for the weakness that my father had, that pushed me to build the house of Optimus. He knew that if he were to become a member of the Senate, he would miss the trips, miss the men, miss all adventures, miss the excitement and miss a feeling of complete freedom. But he also knew, deep inside, that he had to do it, even if it was painful. Sitting trapped for days on end in a hot and stuffy room, among men with no backbone, men who would sell their own brothers if it would favor them, made him shudder. A short time after Trajan's return, you will take over more of my trips. His voice became harder than he meant. I have told you, I cannot do it. It's not possible. I cannot do it alone. Gaius. It's not just about you. Cornelius will soon be back and he will help you. He is not expected back until the spring, perhaps as late as Aprilis. But, only one man can be the leader, each transport has one leader, one ducks. Only one man has the power to make the decisions during the time you are away from Rome, and it has to be an Optimus. Cornelius is not like you. 
even if he is your son, he's not Marcus Optimus. You must trust me, Gaius. It's the only way. Soon, I must share my plans with him, Optimus thought. A vague sense of unease crept back into him. Why? What can go wrong? I have gone through it so many times, from all angles. There is no other solution. Usually most things sort itself out. Nothing is going to go wrong, he tried to convince himself. On the outside he appeared calm, none of his ruminations were showing. Optimus glanced first at the Senate's Curia, then the administration building tabularium and finally at the giant basilica, all of them now looked like dark ghosts in the twilight. All symbolized the corrupt and dictatorial Rome. From the darkness Optimus' oldest traductor appeared, caravan leader Reulius Publius. He approached with springy steps. Dux, excuse me for disturbing, but the men are wondering if they can begin. Sure, give everyone a double ration tonight. They can start without us. The man's round, jovial face burst into a smile. Absolutely ducks, I'll tell them right away. With quick steps the corpulent and short man disappeared back in the shadows. Soon your son Rubius will be old enough to follow you. We should train them as early as possible, it is important. One day they have to take over and then Cornelius and Rubius have to be strong, stronger than you and me. I need time to prepare, Gaius said again, mostly to himself. Marcus Optimus turned and began walking back towards the wagon. He looked over his shoulder. When Trajan is back, prepare to lead a part of my shipments. Gaius stood and looked after his brother. Fear, hatred, anxiety and self-loathing washed over him in waves. He was suddenly worried that his failures could risk that they would lose several shipments. We can be ruined, why do not Marcus understand this? 